My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Well, welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're here today. If you got your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 6. I'll give you, a, I'll give you an alert. We're also going to be in a chapter that's not Mark chapter 6. I know. And we're also going to be in a chapter that might not even be Mark. Just like just we're gonna like head nod and then come back. There's not a camp out. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, you'll laugh when we get there. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and get started with our question that we ask uh, each week. What is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? What is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? Are you raising your hand or are you waiting to finish your Bible? Okay. I wasn't sure. Check out the delay. Every teacher has got to have uh, at least 15 different ways to give themselves 5 to 10 seconds to wait on something to happen in a room so that you can go right back to it when it happens. Um, I don't have 15. I have like 3. So. Alright, you ready now? Excellent. Good. You did, yes. And you made me, so you got to, let, let me give the backstory here. So Amy listened to the lesson. She almost always listens to the lesson, even if you're here, which I, like, okay, that's awesome. Like, double tip. And, uh, and you texted me something, and I interpreted it as I said those words. And it has been a, a long week at our house. Lots of moving around and whatnot. And I thought, if I covered that, like, one, wow, that's really good. And two, I don't have any recollection of this at all. So she was answering this question, not parroting back something that I had said. So right. with that, yes, that's exactly right. Yes. Sometimes, or I've realized that I am searching for the wrong thing. So was that the text from last week's lesson? Paraphrase. Yes. <laughs> there you go. All right, somebody else. What is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? Did you drop the mic over there, Sean? Okay, cool. I just want to make sure you saw that. can always count on the garbage to drop the mic. So. Yes, ma'am. Hey, I'm glad you're in here today. We really enjoyed watching you and le leading us in singing, but it's also good, good to have you here today. So. Yeah. Um, yes, the NSR readings. Yes. <laughs> Not so random, yes. Right. Study, but it's, I, really, I really have 
Good. Cool. So what is God doing in you through his word? He's sounds like uh, harassing you with Mark. So can I paraphrase it that way? Okay. You look at God's actions through the entire story of scripture, and some of them can very easily be categorized as harassment. Like, I have no problem at all using that word. So. Loving harassment, but it, it's harassment. All right. Anybody else? Is God doing any of you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes, ma'am. Sure. He's helping you to believe? Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Good. You know, this first five and six were you can do no mighty work. Right. I don't want to be any part of that. That's good. Excellent. All right, so let's go ahead and read all of Mark chapter 6. Um, and again, just feel free to listen or feel free to uh, read along as, we, as I read out loud. But uh, I'm in Mark chapter 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except the staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. And some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That's why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, 
I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. And the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away and go in the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said, A blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening had come, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they had gotten out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages and cities or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So today we are picking up in this second section in Mark chapter 6. Last week we really kind of just got through verse 7, talking about the authority, uh, talking about when this happened. So he's, he's called the twelve, he's sending them out two by two. Uh, they go out uh, and he talks about how he gives them uh, this delegated influence. So let's just do a quick review. So where did Jesus' authority come from? Anybody remember? God, yes, the, keep coming, the Father, that's right. So we see this in Matthew 28. Uh, we see this in uh, John 5. Uh, and we see in Luke chapter 4 that who tempts Jesus with all authority? Like Satan tempts him, which is, you're like, well, you're not paying attention. He already has this. You can't, you, you can tempt somebody with something they already have. 
but you're not going to be successful with Jesus with this approach. This is a really bad approach. So talking about this authority, he gives them specific uh, authority over the unclean spirits right here. Right, This is very uh, a narrow question. Uh, now, I have uh, a couple of handouts, and if you don't have one of these, I would love for you to get one. And I have uh, successfully not chopped off any of my fingers this morning. Um, using the paper cutter machine in the office. Uh, and these will fit, I promise, in the back of our little uh, ESV mark. So if you don't have a copy of a map, this is the Palestine in the time of Jesus, and if you don't have a copy of a cheat sheet for Greek verbs, uh, this is going to be a really handy little tool uh, that you can just uh, paste or staple or whatever fix that you want. Pasting did not work well for me, it came out. Um, but uh, put them in the back so you've got a little reference section in the back of your uh, mark. So those are all right over there. If you want to get one, grab one now. Uh, that's cool. Because we're going to be talking about this cheat sheet for Greek verbs, and that should be what's on the screen. It is good. So the question was asked last week, uh, and I and specifically didn't answer it, was, uh, and he gave them authority. The bottom of page 171 on your handout. So he gave them authority. This, this word for gave, gave is imperfect, active, indicative. So imperfect means action continually, repeatedly happening in past time. This doesn't necessarily mean that this was something that was going to continue for them going forward. So David, when you answered, I don't, I don't think it was like for all time, because he does this like in later on, like in a, Mark chapter 9, like it's... It feels like it's it's there too, right? Yeah, good. So th this was not unlimited authority over unclean spirits for all time. Now the challenge here is that in English this is that's really tough to tease out if you're just looking at the English text. So you're kind of peeling this back a little bit and parsing out the Greek is is very helpful in certain cases, and I think it's very helpful to answer that question. Um, and this was an active giving, so this was something that he gave to them. This was not something that they uh, actively took. This is something they passively received. So this is not something that I can go, I declare now that I have authority over unclean spirits. Uh, time out. That has to be given very, very specifically. So we have a record here of this being given. And it shouldn't surprise us what happens after Jesus gives this. So verse 8. So he charged them. All right, so we're going to take probably a five-minute uh, sideways look at this real quick. Because in your handout, there is something that is highlighted after the word charge. So what is highlighted after the word? This is your handout from last week. It's not the one you picked up this morning. The one you picked up this morning is for the next three weeks. Did you hear that, darling? Three weeks ahead. Three weeks, I say. <laughs> it is. All right, so... Somebody needs to rebuke me for my pride there. Um, so what is your thank you. Um, so what is highlighted there? 1620. Mark 1620. All right. So let's go to Mark 1620. And I want you to find the word charged for me. This word means to transmit a message or to enjoin. 1620.
Nope, it's not breached. Worked. Was it work? Worked. Nope, not worked. Confirmed. Nope, not confirmed. <laughs> you have run out of words, have you? Uh, company signs. Nope, not it. You're like, there are no more words that look like they could be that, right? Good, because they're not there. If you're looking in your little, uh, your ESV chapter, uh, copy of Mark, that word is not there in verse 20. So let's talk about variants. Now, back on, back on uh, week four, five or so of Mark, we talked about a little bit about variants, right, where we have early copies of the scripture that disagree by one or two words here or there in, uh, in none of these, and there's actually hundreds of them in the New Testament, in none of these variants are any substantial uh, theological point challenged. Um, the vast majority of the time, it is an article or a pronoun that is either left out or inserted. Uh, and for an English translator, it, it would make zero difference whatsoever how you would actually translate that. Uh, there are a few examples in the New Testament, I don't know exactly how many, less than a dozen, of uh, there will be a phrase that says, Our Lord Jesus Christ, in one manuscript, and another uh, manuscript will say, Our Lord Jesus. I'm like, oh no, my world is rocked now. Like, what are we going to right, th These are very, very small, nuanced differences. And then we get to Mark 16. And Mark 16 has the largest variant in uh, basically the entire New Testament. So if you look above, flip back one page to page 102 if you got your little reader Bible. This one. You see after verse 8, it says, uh, they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment and seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Period. And then the next words that you see on the page are some of the earliest manuscripts do not include 16, 9 through 20. And you might go, what? What? What do we do? Well, we, we don't freak out. <laughs> Step number one, right? Don't panic. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. So verses 9 through 20 appear in some manuscripts. They don't appear in all manuscripts. And... I'll give, you a, I'll give you a second to read verses 9 through 20. Okay? So just read through verses 9 through 20. Mark 16, 9 through 20.
So Michelle, you set us up perfectly this morning. I appreciate that. Because you mentioned that there are other Gospels. Right? There are. There are other Gospels in our Bible. So we have Matthew and Luke. Uh, where's Luke? Yay, Luke. There you go. Uh, and uh, John. Right? So somebody tell me, is the content of verses 9 through 20 anywhere else in the New Testament? Yeah, absolutely. Which is helpful because... If it was part of the original and it actually is part of the canonical work of Mark, cool. If it was not part of the original and not part of the canonical work of Mark, okay. All that teaching shows up somewhere else. Now, I am not smart enough and not educated enough and not studied enough to be able to tell you this is the answer. And there's a whole bunch of people out there that try, and the problem is we keep learning new things. Uh, the study of the Bible is not something that is done historically. So you about had a, a spasm in your neck there. You, you, that was an agreement, right? Yes. So we are still learning and discovering early manuscripts. And as we discover more, we will add to what we think we uh, really understand well, and we'll put a pronoun in, and we'll put an article in, and it'll get better and better and better and better. Which is one of the reasons why the Greek text that I use as the basis for your handout is the 28th edition. You're right. It's a lot. It, and now when they have an update, <laughs> update, it's like, you download your update. Um, when they update this version, there might be 50 or 60 words that are tweaked. Very slightly. It's very, very small changes. So, does anybody have a study Bible? Yes. I want you to look at your study Bible's notes for verse 20. And I've got my ESV study Bible, which I think the writers thought was some competition to see who could create the heaviest, bulkiest book that one could carry around. But this is it's a really, really good note. So there's a, there's a little one at the bottom of, uh, of my chapter 16. It says, some manuscripts end the book with 16.8. Others include verses 9 through 20 immediately after verse 8. At least one manuscripts, manuscript inserts additional material after verse 14. Some manuscripts include after verse 8 the following. There you go. Now, I asked you this question a while ago. Where is the word for charged to transmit a message? Here's what is included after verse 8 in some manuscripts. But they reported hint, briefly to Peter and those with him all that they had been told. And after this, Jesus himself sent out by means of them from east to west the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. These manuscripts then continue with verses 9 through 20. Now, none of your English Bibles have that verse in them because this verse, verse, these words, I shouldn't even call it a verse, these words are highly doubtful to be original, which is why they don't show up in your English copy of the Bible. Now, what we don't see when we pick up our Bible are the hundreds of thousands of hours of scholarly work to determine, is it this word or is it this word? Is it this word or is it this word? Is it this manuscript or is it this manuscript? And what we get to have in English is the most well-researched, documented book in the world, quite frankly. Um, it is, I get goosebumps every time. Look, look they're standing up. Um, it's shockingly, amazingly trustworthy. 
And what we have is that the current trend in Bible translations, and I love it, is to put things in brackets. Like we are not a thousand percent sure on this. So just, just being very clear, mm, here's what we know. I love that, right? I don't want a Bible translator to go, well, let's not tell them that. No, let's disclose a little bit here. Let's be very transparent in this process. This is how it is. Yes. When you can't be definitive about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is my friend Steve. Y'all don't know Steve. His uh, best goatee in the room. Uh, if you think you have the best goatee in the room, just go stand next to him. Sorry. That's the way it is. He also loves Jesus a lot and has read lots of things um, about this stuff, and I really appreciate it. So, the reason I highlighted this is that the computer program that I use to export out all of the Greek text included these dubious words in it. And my Excel spreadsheet counted them and listed it as a real occurrence. So, for all of the words that were in that non-verse, but they reported briefly to Peter, those who are with him and all that, I've got to go back through in my document now and peel all that stuff out because it wasn't actually text. Dang it. So this is me trying to be exceedingly transparent with you about the source of what I am using for this. Does that work? All right. Took longer than five minutes, but it's all right. So any questions about that? Sometimes I, I, I get a little technical on this stuff. I'm not sure... We're comfortable with this. We good? All right, go on. Okay, let's go. On. So verse eight. So he charged them, and just scratch off the sixteen twenty if you got it in your handout, just because it's not a really good. It's not really good. Uh, I'm gonna do it on mine too. Scratch it out. All right, cool. Uh, and he charged them to take, and this is the subjunctive. So when they do this, it's the possible do this to take nothing. For their journey. Uh, so their journey. The Greek word is hodos. It, is, it means the road or the way. Uh, this is the same word in Acts chapter 9 later on where the Christians were known as part of the way. Daryl likes to talk about this. He, he loves the first like 8, 10 chapters of, Mark, of uh, Acts. And uh, not Mark. <laughs> Mark. So you're talking about the way. This is uh, going along the way. So to take nothing for their, their way, their journey, except uh, three different Greek words make up this word, except I, may, and monon. Uh, it's the, the idea of if not merely. So except these things, a staff. Okay, of a short list, right? And so just to make sure they understood what... So if you've ever talked to kids and you told them, I need you to do this, and you also give them, I didn't say this or this or this, just want you to do but as a father I emotionally feel that kind of a thing when you tell somebody yes to one and then no to several others so so yes to the staff no bread no bag this is a, a wallet or a pouch for food and no copper no money so I love that I love that no bread and no copper and don't take a bag to carry either one of those in either Right, so he's been really thorough on the don't take it and don't take anything to carry with it. Very comprehensive here. So what is he doing? How much stuff are they going out with? 
They going out with a lot of stuff? No. What are they having to depend on? God. That's exactly right. Because who is this text about? This text is about Jesus and his authority that is delegated to the apostles for this reason and his ability to provide for them when he is not directly in front of them. Because coming very shortly is a time where he will not be directly in front of them. So this is my Alan Iverson. We're talking about practice. Okay? This is, we're just practicing at this point. So, nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money, no copper uh, in their belts. They do get to wear a belt. That's kind of cool. Um, verse 9, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And there's a little note there next to tunics. This is the long garment worn underneath the cloak next to the skin. Okay? So, don't, don't like hide the fact that you're stashing stuff by just wearing more layers. Because right? you can you can subvert things. I don't know if you ever had a kid that put on like a whole bunch of layers of clothes and you're like, okay, I'm ready now. No, no, I told you you couldn't wear that. Right? So he's being very thorough here. So uh, no money uh, in their belt, uh, just a staff, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. All right, we're going to run out of time if I don't just make the reference. So I'm going to head nod to Exodus chapter 12. <laughs> When the Israelites were commanded to get ready to eat the Passover, because they were going to pass over, and then was what was going to happen? They were going to exit, right? They're going to leave. They were not commanded to carry a bunch of physical stuff on their person, right? There are a lot of folks that look at this text and go, this sounds a lot like Exodus, in that we're getting ready to leave, and then literally they actually go and leave. So just to... Just a head nod. But when God gives the Israelites that command, is that about the Israelites or is that about God's ability to provide? It's about God's ability to provide. Right? Which is why I like this connection. I think it's actually something there. Oh, not to put on two tunics. Verse 10. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house... So were they supposed to just wander around? No. No, they're supposed to go where? In the houses, right? Whenever you enter a house, stay. So present active imperative. This is a, con a continually uh, over and over implemented command. So you keep staying, you keep staying, you keep staying, you keep staying, you keep staying. You stay there until what? Until you leave. <laughs> There's a math term for this where you just state something that's true because it's self-referential. Um, it, it, it's a bit odd, but the idea here is don't go, use something as a base of operations and keep coming back and put like you go and you stay there, okay? Until you depart from there, verse 11. And if any place will not receive, this is a very specific word for receive. There's other words for receive or to get or to claim something in Mark. But go to Mark 9, 37 for just a second. I want you to see how this word is used elsewhere. Because it's a bit stronger than just open the door and you're there. Okay? So 937, um, he's talking about, so verse 36, and Jesus took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, how cool would that have been? Oh, you know, 
What a story to tell later on. I was that kid. Took him in his arms and said to them, the people around, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So this receiving is not just a, like I'm here, it's a, a receptivity as well. It's, a, it's, a, it's more than just uh, to receive. So, uh, and if any place will not receive, so if there's not a receptivity there, if they will not receive you, that use plural, and they will not listen, this is subjunctive, so this is the possibility of not listening to you, when you leave, shake off. Right? So this is active imperative. So this, this is a command. If they do not receive you, you are commanded to shake off the dust that is on or underneath your feet. Now, as part of being received into a home at this time, what would have been customary to do? Wash their feet, right? So if they were not received, what shape would their feet be in? They'd be dirty, right? So they're going to leave the dirt behind. And we go on, right? Shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony. And I'll give you your homework there is to look up 611 and 139 as a testimony against them. I love verse 12. I absolutely love verse 12. So they went out. Yay! There are gobs of opportunities in the New Testament where Jesus tells somebody to do something and do the exact opposite. That is not this. So they went out and proclaimed. This is the caruso. This is the, the announced, the herald. That, and this is a purpose word. Hina is a purpose word. In order that, People should repent. Now, lest I stretch something too far, I told you earlier that this is practice. This is not just practice. This is also for the purpose of saving souls. He sends them out to proclaim that people should repent. This is the same word that Jesus uses in 115, that Mark uses in 115 to describe Jesus' ministry of what? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. They're doing what Jesus was doing because it's not about the apostles. It's about Jesus. Verse 13, And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil. Now, I have wondered my entire life, like, and I, it's, it's, it's just a, like how dumb your Sunday school teacher is. I've always wondered, like, what kind of oil was this? The word literally means olive oil. It was olive oil. Yay. Because when I was a little kid, sitting in church, listening, and they anointed with oil, and I was like, man, that'd be messy. Ugh. I was a bit, this is not going to surprise you guys, I was a bit finicky as a child, too. Um, didn't particularly care to get dirty. Um, it would go help my dad with whatever, but like I'm the first one washing up after we're done. Right? I'm just not, that's not about me. I don't want to get the motor oil all over my hands. And I would read these, I would take my 20th century mind and read into the text with motor oil. They would anoint them. It was like, no, that was not it. This is olive oil. Okay, this is what you're, you're talking about. So they anointed many with oil who were sick and healed them. Now this word is used, this word healed is used five times in Mark. The first four times describe what Jesus was doing. The fifth time is right here describing what the disciples are doing. 
It is a beautiful, beautiful, this whole picture is a beautiful example of Jesus modeling what perfect looks like, giving them the authority to go and to do this, and then they come back to him. And then starting next week, we're going to take a bit of a, what I'll call, um, maybe a parenthetical explanation sidebar from verses, 20, uh, verses 14 through, I think it's 29, uh, where we can talk, we got to go talk about popularity in the context of John the Baptist and Herod. So we've got those handouts over there as well. Um, I'll leave you with one other thing. Your blank on page 175 is Mark 6, 14 is where we'll start next week. Um, it, is, it is super easy to get distracted in a text like this on, <gasps> they went and cast out demons. Whoa, there were demons. Wow. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people like really, really focus on the demons. The point is not the demons. The point is Jesus' authority and that he gets to hand this out as he determines according to the Father's will. So... Make sure we're all about Jesus and not getting distracted or enamored with anything else in the text. Because it's easy to do. All right, your homework is at the bottom of page 175. Pray for help in understanding Mark. Hear Mark multiple times. Think about Mark often. Talk with somebody about Mark. Share your insights about Mark. And then invite a member and a non-member. Uh, your handout for next week uh, and the week after and the week after. It's 12 pages long, so don't freak out. It's for three weeks. It's averaging four pages a week. It's the normal size. Uh, as well as your two inserts are over on the little table, so make sure to grab those before you go. Um, if you need a copy of Mark, I have several of the scripture journals up here, so if you don't have one and need one, I'd love to give you one. And then your weekly update should be on uh, the table. So if it is, there was the clicker. Um, if you will pray as a group, and after you have finished praying as a group, you are dismissed to go and to worship this one who has the authority to give out authority, which is amazing. So, thanks for coming to Sunday School today. Oh, the shirt. Nobody asked me about the shirt. All right, so first things first. Does anybody know what the reference is? What is it? It's the Mandalorian, yes. This is the way. This was an... So, the way I was going to use it today, I totally forgot because I got enamored with, like this. Uh, the way I was going to use it today was, uh, it is when Jesus told them go out and don't take a bunch of stuff with them, that could have been an opportunity to play 20 questions with Jesus. And a wonderful answer would have been this is the way. You either rely on me as Jesus, as your provider, or you don't. And let that be a caution to us to think that we can construct or manipulate some environment in which we can do God's work and do not actually rely on God himself. Because that would be both tragic and horrible. So, yes, sir, Daniel? Several times you mentioned the way, and I think you just yes. missed out on referencing. That would have been a good spot too, wouldn't it? Ugh. You're missing out. I am missing out. <laughs> hey, Chris? Hey, Chris? He's got a little bit of a teacher in him. Foster that for me, okay? Awesome. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.